0: Hi, and welcome to the Battle College Podcast. This is episode number five, recorded 215, 2013, the day after Valentine's Day.
1: And uh, today's topic is going to be about lore mastering. Now, there's a special game that we're going to be playing today, or that you can play if you're listening at home. Actually, I guess if you're listening anywhere. Um, and that game is that Mike Paxton has a tendency to call LMing GMing, um, he, he does it almost psychotically. Um it's sort of crazy. And, I don't
0: know what it is about. <laughs> I just I cannot get it through my head.
1: I'm not sure what it's about. Anyway, so the way the way the game works is you, you should stop your podcast right now and write down a guess about how many times throughout the podcast he is going to say GMing instead of LMing. And uh, I I guess there are two different ways to play this game. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Um, the other way is is. The
1: first first way to play this game is at the end you can simply look up your number and see if you were right. We will tell you how many times it happened and you can say yay I win. Um the other way which is uh apparently Paxton's preferred way of doing it is that when you stop the podcast to write down your number you should also get some sort of highly potent alcoholic beverage and uh every time tequila maybe You could go with tequila. Surely there's something more appropriate. Bailey's. Um Bailey's. Yeah, maybe. Um, And uh, whenever he makes that mistake, take a shot. And uh, if you can still understand English by the end of the uh, podcast, then Paxton has won. And uh, if you simply are incapable of understanding language, um, then you have won the game. In any case, to help us play this game, uh, we have a a guest on to talk about a lemming. who has done a fair bit of lma lately, and that is Jeff Lotz. Welcome to the show, Jeff.
2: Welcome. Uh, good to see you all, or, well, <laughs> Thank you. listen to you all at least. The uh, <laughs> the uh, Baileys is already taking effect. Is it really? A... Okay, fair enough. Just a little bit.
0: And someone yeah. on Facebook did wonder if we did this in person, and we do not. We do this over Skype because mm-hmm. yeah. we have very busy schedules and families and stuff like that. But anyways, before we get to the topic, uh, talk about LMing and team building, which I'm really particularly interested in, uh, we're just going to sort of talk about what's been going on with us and IFGS lately and just sort of go around the table and, and just sort of see what's been going on with IFGS. So um, first of all, writing, What's what's been going on with writing?
1: Well, at least for me, um, I've been writing trying to get uh, Vineyard's B into shape. Um, the, that's the second game in the Vineyard's Bar Game series.
0: Ooh, can, can we Can we release the name finally? We settled on it. It took us a
1: while. We, we can. Um, so the name of this one is going to be Vineyards Bloodgate. Um,
0: oh,
2: that sounds um,
1: warm and fluffy. It is. It is highly warm and fluffy. Um, it's it's not about what you think. Um, it's actually about a scandal <laughs> that occurs um, in someone's aorta.
2: Huh.
1: So.
0: Oh. No, it's good. I mean, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't decide on the name for a long time. We we sort of go in order. So the first one was Vineyards A. It was Vineyards Arrival. This was Vineyards B. We had a, a holding name for a while that uh, I just sort of put on a game copy because I needed a name. And it was Vineyards Bathwater.
1: And I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I'm I, I really surprised you wanted wanted to loved it. Try, I, I wanted to figure out how to write a plot so that we could keep it as Vineyards Bathwater. But we couldn't make it work.
0: Yeah, it yeah. would have been great to – um to uh have like the whole game one big joke that ends with bathwater or something you know that that was the punchline
1: right yes you have to call a baby. <laughs> exactly it's the evil baby that you have to throw out at the end and yeah yeah um
0: oh so right yeah. I, yeah I i uh i've been working on the door to nowhere bible which is this master document of all the door to nowhere rooms that we've had available in the past and uh, maybe some that we're talking about in the future, just a way to sort of consolidate it all. It's converting it all over to A.P. and getting it to update. Like some of them, you know, really were dependent on the symbiosis. So with the symbiosis gone, like, what is this, this room like now? So I've sort of been working on updating that. And it's become a lot more of a, a bigger project than I thought it would be.
2: You, do you, when you're writing the your, the uh, Door to Nowhere Bible... Do you think of it as just you sort of dictating the words of a higher power or <laughs> I'm not exactly,
0: yeah. Yeah, so we have the Old Testament, which is pre-symbiosis <laughs> and we have the New yes. Testament, post-symbiosis. No. Uh, right. I should be working on a game with Jeff called Dark Quest, which we Yes, we only... really should be working on Will hates this name, but it's a game that Jeff and I are sort of writing together um, that will eventually get finished. We, we've made some right. progress on it. but
1: Are we talking about the opaque honeydew list? Is that the...
0: Yeah, sort of. <laughs>
2: As uh, placeholder names go, Dark Quest is definitely much worse than Vineyard's Bathwater. I, I
0: fully agree. Um, what about sanctioning? So Jeff, you're on the sanction committee. Have you been doing any sanctioning?
2: Um, the only real active sanctioning we've been involved in is with the, the Nexus bar games that Jonathan Wisner has been, um, has been running. Um, this winter during the off season, which I think is a a pretty neat idea. So we ran one in February and there's, excuse me, in in January, and there's going to be one coming up um, just a week from tomorrow on the 23rd. So um, the second, the second iteration of the game just has a couple new things or some fixes or one or two new encounters, that kind of thing. And um, so I've been working on the second version of that. Will is involved in the writing of that. And um, Jonathan Wisner, actually, he hurt his shoulder last year and, um, was uh, out of was not able to work for a while. He was on halftime in January, and here in February he's been back working full time. And his shoulders hurt him a lot, so he can't write very much. So it's been the turnaround has been a lot harder on him. I know. We're actually going to have a Skype call between myself and Brad Evanson, who are the sanctioners, and Jonathan, so that we can try and hash things out by voice and save Jonathan as much typing as possible.
0: Nice. And uh, I have a sanctioned meeting that Jeff's going to next week, Monday. This podcast will probably come out after all this, but uh, sanctioned media is, is sort of our pre-2013 scheduling meeting. It's, it's, we're going to sort of look at what games are in sanctioning and sort of look at how our 2013 season is shaping up and uh, then talk about what we can do to sort of fill in the blanks and whatnot. So it should be a good, good meeting. It's, we'll have more information on that probably coming out early March or something like that. So, uh, upcoming Nexus game. So we talked about it. So again, this podcast will probably come out after that. But next week, what is it? The Saturday, the twenty second. Twenty third. Twenty third. Uh, we have the second Nexus game. So you guys both playing NPCing. What are you guys doing with it?
1: I will be PCing, and Jeff will be NPCing, if I understand it.
2: Yes. Yeah. I have a recurring role as an NPC, and having sanctioned it, that seems only fair. So uh, yeah. So uh, but it's it's a role that I really enjoy. So
0: awesome. Uh, I will not be in town again for this, so hopefully I'll make it to the third one. I'll be out uh, running a, another race, uh, just happened to fall on that weekend. So,
2: yeah, I hope you can come. Yeah. Uh,
0: prop making? Will you've been busy making a prop lately?
2: So I I,
1: <laughs> I realized um, a little earlier that uh, I actually am supposed to be making a prop specifically for the Nexus that I have not even thought about. So
0: okay, I owe um, you some yes, base busy. Prop, so you're gonna modify the prop that I have.
1: Right, I remember that now, and I'm I am glad of that because yeah, but other than that, yep, I've been building swords and things, so um, yeah.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I've been I've been working on costuming. I've got a commission piece that I'm doing for someone that I think is coming out, turning out really well, and uh, working on a costume for this race I'm running uh, next week. A little cosplay, and uh, my my leg is currently outstretched. Uh, having uh, fabric paint all over a pair of tights waiting for it to dry. So it's sort of an odd uh, angle I'm sitting at right now, but
1: yeah. I, I'm impressed when you, when you first came up with your plan to get those stripes painted and having to like stand in one place for four hours, that seemed like a bad plan. I'm doing one leg at a time. seems like a much better idea.
0: Yeah, no, it's working great. I think it's yeah. I'm going to have to peel this off of me and then take a shower and scrub off all the paint. But huh. yeah. Cool. Anyway, Jeff, any props? Uh. Uh,
2: well, for this this recurring role involves um, me bringing various kinds of puzzles that the PCs can engage with if they if they want to as part of the bar game. And um, so some of those are slightly physical puzzles and some of them are mental puzzles. So I'm not exactly making props, but I'm certainly designing IFGS-related paraphernalia. So I'll go with that.
1: Very cool. Is that, a, is that
2: legal in this state now? Yeah, totally. Paraphernalia. You can have as much paraphernalia as you want. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah. Oh, speaking of writing, we uh, we recently – I found on some article on the internet, like, the hardest logic puzzle that exists, that this this professor, college professor, and we sent it to our friend Nissa, and she actually rewrote it and gave some suggestions. And I she was about said,
1: to say, <laughs> she, not, she not only solved the puzzle, she then went ahead and went through and made showed us different ways of making changes to the puzzle to make it various stages of easier.
0: So, wow. so if we ever write a mental 10 game, I've decided that this puzzle is definitely going in it, so – We've we've got the the start of the game you know the first puzzle that's going to be a core piece of it, but
2: and I think she was the one that I went to up I went up to her after the last Nexus game and 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 almost cried on her shoulder because she came to the Nexus game to which I had bought puzzles and she didn't do a single one of them I just oh. couldn't so so actually she I she was busy killing herself, for herself I saw
1: one of the comments from the the from the Nexus oh yes and uh, it it said something like um like uh Having most of the PCs involved in trying to voluntarily kill one player and take them to hell just isn't right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the stories from this Nexus game—I really wish I was there. So. Yeah,
2: it was, it was a good one. There was definitely, uh, yeah, definitely some action. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, anyways, uh, we're gonna take a little break, and we'll be back to talk with Jeff and uh, find out a little bit more about him. So, uh, be right back. Great.
1: Um, This is our our segment, our guest of the week segment, where we're going to ask Jeff uh, a few questions and get to know him better. Um, So uh, yeah, and then after that, we'll hit him up with our famous five questions, so.
0: Okay, great. So Jeff, uh, you're technically a second-generation IFGSer, I didn't actually know this. Um, Was that how you got into LARP? (laughs)
2: I don't. I'm not sure that that's quite fair.
0: Why um, not explain the story? Because I actually don't know anything about this story. This is this I, new to me. This got I, s- slipped into the script for the podcast at the last. I year.
2: see. My guess is that that's referring to the fact that my father has indeed played IFGS. But uh, that was because I was, you know, 13 or 14 at the time, and so he came along on a game with us. He, I think he, uh, he definitely did scorekeeping for one game. I think he NPC'd once or twice. I don't think he ever played a character. But, um, but he didn't do it before I did. So I, it's hard to say so the, the transmission was not from father to son. Let's put it that way.
0: How, how did he feel about you playing? I mean, was he, was he comfortable with being up there on course and whatnot?
2: Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I think he, he's, uh, he's a pretty playful guy and, um, he's a college professor. And so, you know, it hangs out with, with people that are much younger than him all the time. <laughs> so I, I think he was, I think he enjoyed it and, um, I, he knew how much I loved it. And, um, yeah, so I, I think he had a lot of fun. I, he, didn't, he didn't ever really, I don't think it ever caught him very directly. Yeah. But in terms of a way to spend time with me and with other people and have a good time out in the mountains, it's, you know, it's hard to be. With, with ex step brothers. With ex-stepbrothers, that's a good point. I forgot about that. So, so yeah. if we
0: ever want to put right a giant into a game and, and maybe, you know, put him with you, the giant's son, you know, we he he, he might be willing. We could use him for a PC. <laughs> that So, so just so dad, if you don't know Jeff's yeah. dad is what, Only six gonna, eight? You guys do that. Yeah, he's well
2: okay.
0: six, he eight six eight and a quarter. He's shrunk or grown taller. Um <laughs>
2: I'm go with shrunk.
1: <laughs> what was I think Jeff was trying desperately not to say
2: the word wizened. Listened. Yes. Yeah. He's creeping out there. You know, so he has he's one of three brothers. They are six, 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 seven and six, eight and and a quarter. Uh, and a quarter that's right. And um, when they were younger, in any kind of family photo, they would always like lean on each other or stand up on their toes. So it, which one is taller varies from picture to picture. <laughs> But uh,
0: yeah. So. Well, if he really wants to be taller than his brothers, there is a surgery for that. I've looked into it. Just saying, you know, <laughs> two inches is about what you can do, and it's you have to go outside the U.S. I don't think he's particularly interested in getting taller. Okay, I just thought yes. I'd throw it out there.
2: Okay. <laughs> Hitting his head on most door jams is already kind of a problem. So,
0: <laughs> so uh, when and how did you sort of start knife, Jess? What was your your first game, and and tell us about your sort of beginnings.
2: I. You know, it's, it's a little unfortunate. I was thinking about this before coming on with you guys, but I don't, I don't really know the specifics of the first stuff that I did my um, The records that I still had. Okay, sorry, sorry, let me say a little more. So we just happened to live near the park where in the late 80s, they had twice a week fighter practices. And so at some point we drove by and there were people doing crazy stuff out there and um, it it appealed to me and my my at the time stepbrother so my my father was married to another woman who had a son at the time and um i assume she 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 had a son at the time yeah but not anymore i mean i'm just saying right i understand i I, I can't guarantee sure Yeah. yeah um so we stopped and sort of said hello and maybe maybe even hung out for a little bit that first night and then um and then we started coming back pretty regularly and, and uh, pretty soon I was sort of into it. And so my memory at, the, at this point is that I did that um, in the first time in 1987, which is a ridiculously long time ago. But um, I've, like, my IFGS membership card starts in 89, um, but I, I still think it was probably around then. But I don't really have a whole lot in terms of records. Here, I'm going to pull them up while we're talking and I'll see what I can find for my oldest game of record. But that of record, what I mean is like ones that I have the sheets from, the records that we had back then, which were actually pink. Right. Um, so that's, that's how we sort of stumbled into it. And um, my best friend at the time was Michael Kelly. We had gone to middle school together and then he came to the same high school that I was going to. So we went to the same high school together. This is before I had met William and certainly before I had met you, Mike. And Review uh, Nights. Yeah, Nights. That's right. <laughs> way before me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, that's how I got into it. And I'm sure, so my. Hmm, I'm sure that I did, like most people do, some NPCing before I ever did anything else. Um, but I don't actually know what my first game was either NPCing or. Um, NPC,
0: oh, I know. I, I played way before I. I had not NPC for years.
2: I think that's fairly unusual because I think we tend to ease people into the rules and stuff with a little sort of lower risk, lower intensity sure. version by letting them play somebody else, and you're probably supposed to die, and you know
0: all that kind of stuff. I think I was spoiled.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think
0: so. you were.
1: Yeah. So uh, obviously traveling by and having it already appeal to you, it means there was something in you constitutionally set up to to like IFGS or LARP or something. Yeah. What, what What is it about LARP that you like?
2: Well, I mean, so I guess we
1: should start off. Do you like LARPing?
2: <laughs> I guess I do. Well, actually, to be honest, um, I mean, I think there's some legacy that goes with IFGS that I've been at it for so long that I, I have some loyalty to it that way. Um, I'm not sure that there are many other LARPs that I would really enjoy, although I, I can't say that I've explored too much. But the parts of IFGS that, that appeal to me are the story. The fantasy and the heroism and, and that sort of thing, which all certainly fits with, I think, that the thirteen-year-old me um, as much as the thirty-something-year-old me. So, um, so I like I, I, I like the fantasy roles. I like the ideas of slinging magic or wielding, you know, magical items of, of great power or saving the day or rescuing the princess. I suppose that sort of thing. But. Um,
0: yeah. Can, I, can I interrupt for a second? Please. So you said fantasy. Have you ever thought about a, a non-fantasy LARP? Not really. So either, either have I, but Will sent me this video from this LARP in Georgia, I think, called <laughs> X-Tune, or I don't know how you pronounce it. But anyways, it's like the steampunk LARP, and it's like, Zuntun, yeah, it's like gothic horror and stuff like that. And I've never really been interested in that until I saw this video, and I was like, oh, man, I really want to go to Georgia now.
1: But it didn't look that different, right? I mean, they had spears and swords and
0: yeah, Nerf guns.
1: They did. The best thing about that video, Jeff, is um, they they show a tourney at the end, and uh-huh. one of one of the tourney lists is live fire, live action fire bow versus Nerf gun. <laughs> so in each of the each of the setups, one person has a bow with arrows,
2: right, uh-huh. and the other
1: person has a Nerf gun. That's great.
2: I have to say, I have a six year old son, and so we have a couple Nerf. Items in the house, although I think the only actual Nerf gun is actually mine, not his. But, um, the current Nerf gun technology is just unbelievable. I, it, they would, they really, I, I actually wish we could find some way to work them into IFGS as, as sort of proper items because they definitely don't hurt anybody, but you really can. Shoot with fair accuracy to maybe twenty or thirty feet away. It's, it's better than that. So popular science
1: actually has they actually keep an update of the newest Nerf technology. The, <laughs> the, the newest awesome. one is the newest one is a is a dual fire pistol. So it fires two bolts at the same time, <gasps> seven, up to seventy five feet. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There, there's this whole D and D game uh, module called Expedition to the Barrier Peaks.
1: Really, that again?
0: <laughs> yeah, that again. We talked <laughs> about it in the podcast. But anyways, that's where D and D characters find a crash spaceship and there's laser guns and stuff. And I just remember it as a ch- c- child. I was like, Oh, that's so cool. But lasers should do way more damage than 3d6. But anyways, um, <laughs> I've been trying to think of a way that I can incorporate nerf guns into an encounter in I've just, and I, I haven't come up with something creative enough that I've wanted to use it, but I, th- I think it's at least the nugget is planted in my brain. Yeah, absolutely.
2: There, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt that that'll be a good, if nothing else, like a physical challenge or a carnival game, or I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's gotta be some fun stuff to do there.
0: Okay, sorry, enough tangent. I forgot where we were, frankly, but
2: yeah. Um, we were talking about what you like about LARP.
1: But, oh, yeah. actually, but you, you actually brought something up, and that is that you, you have a six-year-old son. So apparently you're a second-generation IFGSer. Uh, yes. Do you, do you have any plans to turn your, your children into third-generation IFGSers?
2: Yes, oh yeah. Uh, they, have, um, they have these pillows that, that uh, you can put speakers in so you can brainwash your children at night. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I've just recorded this loop that uh, it's just me reading the 70 rule book, actually, but it just plays all night, and so but I'm pretty sure. They, at least they sleep well. They sleep well. That's right. <laughs> and they wake up in the morning, and go, Daddy, Daddy, what's stacking? And, yeah.
0: And then you say, no, I don't know. No, I like, don't know. It's isn't never made sense. You'll always come back to life somehow.
2: It has something to do with quantum theory. <laughs> No, I mean, so Owen definitely has enjoyed it and uh, the little bit that he's done. He's still, Six is still not quite old enough to, to do it with any sort of seriousness. Um, sure. In, I think if, actually we may come back to this later on, but if, if I had the opportunity to play, to do a really low key NPC role or NPC for just like one encounter on a given day, I think it actually might this summer work out for me to bring him and he and I could NPC and you know just do it for like two hours or three hours for all, all the teams and sure. then be done well he did he npc'd with you for a little bit last yes. summer two summers ago no just last summer yeah Oh, no, was it okay oh no you're, like, yeah no. it was two summers
1: ago i think because it was the 25th right it was fair day
2: yeah i know but yeah fair day was gosh was that two years, two summers ago year and a so.
0: half it was a year and a half ago it was in like september a year and a half ago
2: wow Crazy. Yes, that's right. So yeah, he was my squire as a and I was a I was a knight running a shop in a bar in a magic, excuse me, running a magic shop in a bar game. And yeah, he just sort of hung out and said yes, sir. And that was pretty much but he got a big <laughs> smile whenever he said yes, sir. So awesome. that's yeah. great.
1: Cool. Is there anything else you want to say about LARPing or about IFGS or
2: Um the there's a social aspect about it that I value a lot. So I, that I don't think I get in virtually any other sort of gaming and playing that i do so maybe that's the thing that draws me back to it most um, but i certainly really do enjoy it. there's there are a lot of moments of, of a really intense fun that i associate with ifgs
0: the social component i think is really important i mean my wife i think one of the main reasons she does it is for, for the further social aspect of it we have a bunch of friends uh our friends shane and matt who i feel like do it mostly for a social aspect so i think that's really 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 a uh, sort of a i don't know important piece of, of ifgs yeah but
2: oh and and just for uh for the record keeping out there so my oldest record that i i still have is from june 9th 1990 it's a game called piper on the hill and i pc'd in it with uh, my druid who was named flame or technically flame 2 because that he died in the first game he played in um so this must have been the second game that he played in so i definitely don't i definitely played prior to that but don't have records of it
0: right Great, uh, so we'll be right back in just a second and we'll get going with the five questions. So hold on.
1: And now our famous five questions with our guest, Jeff
0: Loads. Woohoo, oh, me, Cinco. Okay, yeah, question, that's you. question number one. <laughs> Jeff, what is the best class? And this is not a trick question. I want your honest opinion, what you feel nice. like. You know what, I'm serious. <laughs>
2: yeah no i think i think you are serious you, you wanted to ask question but william there's definitely your co-host has, has a specific answer in mind well okay so so i i definitely have a pretty strong power gamer streak in myself and i i think of it not actually so much about winning like i think i'm a pretty good i'm not a sore loser i'm i i enjoy games regardless of whether i win them or not but the metagame of Looking at a set of rules and figuring out what the best combination is, is something that I, I almost can't help, I, um, and so I do it anyway. So from a power gaming perspective, the answer is definitely Knight. Um, well
1: done. I think you were the first guest we've had on to actually get that question right.
2: Okay. <laughs> so, we had
1: we had one crazy old guy on here who answered Druid.
2: Yeah, no, that I know. I, I, I heard in, that one. Yeah, yeah, that was embarrassing. I, heard that. I think my number two would go to Cleric. <laughs> Sorry,
1: Matt. Would go to cleric. Yeah, I might. I might agree with that. In In seven 0
2: Yeah. Okay. In uh, knight and AP AP. also. In AP. um, Harder to say. It's harder to say. That's right. It's much closer. I think they still have the edge. Um. And although I think that they are right up there next to fighter at that point.
0: Hmm, Interesting. Okay. So next question. Mm -hmm. Uh, what was your favorite game? Either that you played in or staffed. Either one.
2: Oh, that's yeah. Okay, so. So I'm going to split this a little bit. So I'm going to go. So I I have been playing for a fairly long time, as we talked about before. But um, but I I took a big break where I went to graduate school in Oregon and I worked far away and things like that. So I didn't play for maybe seven. Excuse me, maybe 11 or 12 years. Excuse. From the mid 90s to later on. So um, so if I think back to the early days when I played, um, the one that stands out the most. I th- M- William can remind me, I think it was Tunnel of the Toads. And, <laughs> and, um, yes, Speaking
1: of LMing mistakes, as we'll come across later, <laughs> we we'll get back to that game.
2: Did I, was I the LM? You were not. Okay, good. Um, anyways, so we had arranged to, to play in this game, myself and William and a few other folks. I, I, was Michael Kelly on our team? At our LM, in fact. Ah, there we go. Okay. and um, And then I think it was essentially the... Day of? No, it couldn't have been the day of. A few days before the game, we realized that I had played in this game before. So um, that wasn't going to be fair if I had played the game before and I was going to play in it again. And so in the, to try and make it so that I can still participate with my friends, we came up with this crazy idea to have me play an, essentially an automaton who could take orders but basically couldn't contribute anything mentally to the game. So it wouldn't matter that I knew the plot or knew the So I, I have bad, bad news for you. You do? You're, you're mixing up two games.
1: Really? Yes. Okay, okay, so tell me. Tun- Tunnels of the Toads was the very first game I ever PC'd in. Okay. Mike Kelly was our LM. You played Sif. He played Voriax. I played Firstborn.
2: Okay, gotcha. The
1: game in which you played Maldredior was actually yes. Piper on the Hill. Piper on the Hill. That's right. And Alicia Roushi was our LM. Wow, really? Yep. That's crazy.
2: So, <laughs> that's, so, so, what do you remember? So, wait. So, you also tell me now what you meant by um, speaking of Ling lming errors. So,
1: what well, happened in? No, like, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that later. As far all as right, all
0: right, okay, yeah, let's go on yeah. to the next question. Oh wait, no, 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 Oh, you, oh, you have another another favorite game? <laughs> yes, yeah. we going to split it okay. into two
2: parts. That's right. Yeah. Well, anyway, so I played Automaton, and that was a lot of fun, and there's lots of good stories there for sure. Um, in in the in my more recent activity since about 2007. I would say that my favorite game that I played in was probably Price of Glory. Um, Price of Glory was a game that I played in with um, a family of four named the Balzers and were really, really fun. Um, When Will says that I've done a fair amount of LMing recently, it's basically all been with this family that they're just um, they they're always rock stars. Just, yes, they're <laughs> rock stars. That's well put. And um, and this, this was a really fun game and a really fun group of people and include this included this siege at the top of a pass which was just fantastic and so I have lots of really uh, good memories of that one. Um, that's uh, that's probably first place right up behind Price of Justice which um, was the almost all tenth level characters game that ran last summer. It was a mini game just for one team of high level people and was hard and awesome in all kinds of great ways.
0: Wow. I, I like that game. I just didn't think you felt that way about that game.
2: I, it has improved
0: with time, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, hmm. I think some time do. Okay.
2: Okay, question number three. If your favorite character had to die,
1: who is it, and how would you want him or her to go out?
2: My favorite character is definitely my, uh, my my magic user, my mage. His name's Tianas. He's my highest level character. He's not actually my first character, although sort of a close second. I was just looking at my records, and it looks like the first game I played in, him in was in 1990. And um, he's um, he has died uh, many times, but
0: um, <laughs> many might be a little strong. But have I killed him off in a game? Have you killed him? In a game.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he he died in Price of Justice.
0: He did? Okay. Yep. I, I just couldn't remember. I, I've killed so many characters, it seems like, these days. So <laughs> I was curious. I mean, he,
2: he didn't quite die because of life support. And then he did die and got life sparked, um, both in that game. So he sort of, would have died twice, if not for trinkets and toys. Um, he obviously, he also died in uh, Chameleon a few years back.
0: Oh, right. But who yep. didn't, really? That was pretty trendy yes that's right who didn't my mage died your mage if all
2: your friends were going to die because of dropsy would you die too uh, yeah. so was yeah.
0: that would you say chameleon is how you wanted to go out
2: <laughs> no <laughs> the, way, the, way, the way I died in chameleon would be uh, I got hit by a dropsy a skeleton started chasing me and I ran into a crash time glyph, fell down unconscious the big bad guy came over assumed I was a girl because I had a robe on Threw me up onto a post, tied me up, and then slit my throat.
0: Sounds hot.
2: No, no, no. Wait, sorry. He didn't slit my throat until some, until one of my teammates came by and untied the ropes, and I collapsed on the ground. Then he slipped my throat. So yeah, it was a pretty uh, ignoble way to go. But uh, okay. So De- TNS definitely fancies himself a, a sort of standing in the fray, hurling magic left and right, and I would I would go for that kind of an end for him pretty much any time. Like, him against a whole lot of things, if it could be in the you know, in the efforts to save friends or innocence, uh, that would be good, too. But that's, that's probably not quite as important as it just being in the heat of massive battle and uh, with the piles of his enemies around him.
1: So not sleeping peacefully in a dress.
2: <laughs> that's correct.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. All right. If you could change one thing about the IFGS, what would it be? And no, you may not wish for more wishes. <laughs> okay.
2: I think I think that like if I think of this question in terms of what would increase my enjoyment of the IFGS the most right now? It's it's not actually things like the rules system or or that kind of thing. It's actually mostly about we we have we have a relatively small group of Sort of middle to high engaged people. That is, people who will write or produce, or even sort of assistant produce in, in big ways. So I, I feel I feel like there's a lot of I, I'm worried we're going to burn those people out. I'm worried that I'm going to get burnt out in that process. Sure. And and I so I have a I, I wish that we had you know. Um, quite a few more of that, those level of participants. We have a really neat crop of people who are just started in the last year or two, and I'm excited about what they're gonna do, but, um, but we're sort of missing those, what I would think of as sort of mid-career IFGSers. Um, and I, I, I don't, I wish I didn't have the sense sometimes in the summer that like, if I don't show up for this game, it's really gonna hurt this game. And so that's probably at least a little bit of egotism on my part. But um, but I wish there was more of a sense of the organization will keep running, even even though as life occurs, only not, not everybody can make it to every game.
0: OK, so final question, then, if you could get one person fictional or real to play on your team, who would it be and why? In one second. So it's been I've been racking my brain all day. I had a good person for this because I wasn't really super happy with my initial person. I had someone, I just can't remember who it was. Will, did I tell who, you?
1: Who was your original person? James Vanderbeek?
0: No, no, no. Oh, he was a good too. <laughs> no, it was Taylor <laughs> Kirsch, just as bad though. Oh, that's right, that's right. Did I tell you at breakfast? No. Personal? Oh, I had someone that was, I was like, God, this is perfect. But, anyways, so questions about Jeff. Jeff, one person. <laughs> fictional or real? I
2: had for- forgotten yeah. that it could be fictional, so I didn't even consider that. So yes, whose initials
1: are not RF. You may not.
0: Just- oh, okay. But Abraham I've Lincoln.
2: Abraham, Lincoln. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Um, I think I'd go the, the choice that I came up with today thinking about this was uh, Neil Patrick Harris I think would be oh sure would be really fun and I, I think he's the kind of person who could really play with it and I think he it would also be really obviously pretty capable of like doing it during being serious doing the serious parts and being playful in the playful parts and so now it. we just need now we just need Brandon
1: on so that we can get the entire cast of uh, Dr. Horrible's Yes, blog.
2: exactly. I was, was tempting to say Felicia Day. Yeah. Don't <laughs> worry, Brandon will. Okay. Good.
0: Okay. Well, great. Well, that was the five questions. We'll be back in a few minutes for talk about the well, like, Sure. Hope not. Yeah.
1: We'll be, really. we'll be back after a very small song. Very very short song. Okay. All right, and now we're on to the meat of this particular show, and that is. Mastering. I'm
0: a vegetarian. What? What? No meat.
1: <laughs> All right. That that does certainly explain some of your LMing. So um, the question is, what is an LM? Um, and the best definition I could come up with is the LM is the person who is vaguely responsible for fielding a team in a given game and is vaguely responsible for using LM Inspire at the right moment. <laughs>
0: that's, a, that's a good definition.
1: Um, and, and the reason it's so vague is because the way it works for every game is different. Um, for some games, you know, the producer will pick an LM and say, you need to go get a team. Um, for other games, the producer will pick an LM and say, you know, I sort of have this team, will you LM it? And then s- sometimes the producer will basically pick a team or invite a team, and then that team will just choose amongst them who's going to be the lore master.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um So sometimes the LM is responsible for the team, sometimes not. So, you know, it's, that's why I say vaguely.
0: And and I think I err on the side of... If I'm a lore master, right? I err on the side of of going a little too far. Like, making sure my team is logistically ready. And, and we'll, we'll sort of talk about this. But making sure, you know, they all have their character histories. And they pay their you,
1: fees. Are you saying you obsess about greater organization and control?
0: Yes. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> no one ever thought I'd be a control freak. Um, but I as a producer, I like those lore masters that sort of take care of those details. I know. Yeah, absolutely.
2: That doesn't seem like going too far at all. I certainly have, when you have been an LM that I've on a team that I've been on, I've really appreciated it and felt like you clearly had a focus on the game and that helped me get more focused on the game and helped me get more into it. So, yeah.
0: So what would you say, who's the best LM you guys have ever had?
2: Hmm. Well, I haven't had I mean so I think I've had lore masters that are uh, you and William are <laughs> the oh,
0: wow. only lore masters I've had so pick in, between William and I.
2: <laughs> no, I mean in, in recent times and from a long time ago I don't remember them well enough, to be honest, to, to to pick one way or the other. So other than what I sort of already said about you as a lore master, okay. I don't think I have much else to add.
0: Okay. Will, have you have you had any like lore masters other than us, like your friends?
1: So Alicia um, was a lore master in one game. Uh, Brandon, I've had as a lore master. Um, that's close to yeah, Oh, D- Dave uh, McMillan, I've had as a lore master.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when did you get lore master <clears throat> with was Dave? When was that?
1: So that was um that was a game a long time ago. Um, it was probably like 95, 96. I don't actually remember the name of the game. It was one of the Subterranea games. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was my lore master and he did a great job, I, I think, especially for sort of kids, like, cause I was barely not a teenager or I, actually, I guess I still probably still was a teenager. Um, you know, he did a good job of making sure I had a ride and that I knew that there was a game fee and, you know, he told me to make sure that I brought holy water. So Jeff and I spent a weekend sewing 60 holy waters to take with us.
2: That was that, um, that game. yeah That's great.
1: Um, and then at the end of the game i died and he carried me probably a good 8th of a mile to get me raised at the end of the game so i mean he he definitely did his lore masterly duty it was but you know i i um he's definitely m- more about sort of on the on the field control um and that that worked pretty well for me at the time i was you know playing a pretty loose character and i liked having someone to tell me what to do but i'm not sure i would i'm not sure i would like it as much now you know
0: right mm. yeah 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 i think uh i'm trying to think of one of the earliest games i've definitely will you've lore mastered for us and it's it's a little unfair when we when we talk about each other as a lore master like
1: you did all i can you. think of is chameleon
0: uh no we used to do like the angel game and all of those Okay, yeah fair enough yeah there were a lot of games back then back in the day that you floor mastered but it was it's it, it feels a little bit differently because we're friends so we sit around and hang out outside of ifgs so like the planning we just do for fun it's not like we're we're doing it because of the game i guess right but um no the lore yeah, master, I, I, the lore master so, act, oh go ahead
2: <laughs> sorry yeah, so I mean, that is one of the different experiences I've had is that in the last few years, there's been, I think, two times where I was a lore master for a group of people who I who I didn't necessarily pick and who who weren't all just my friends beforehand. Right. So that's a very, that's certainly a very different experience. And that's, I think, where the leadership part of of a lore master comes a lot more into it. I think you really are at that point expected to be a little bit more of the boss. You're the final word. You're
0: the one, you're the decider. Sure. Oh dear. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I, Nissa and I played in a game, uh, showdown at Lord Walla Walla's corral, something like that. I don't know, 10 years ago. And, um, so Keith Hopkins was our lore master and uh funny story about Keith. Keith, if you didn't know, he is missing a leg. He lost, it, I think due to some sort of cancer, um, but i didn't know i played all weekend long it was a two day game i had no idea that he didn't have a leg he had a prosthetic so i didn't
1: know that for many years
0: he he is amazing yeah, amazing doesn't... guy yep but he, anyway so he was playing our lore master and he was awesome like just i mean we showed up we were the fighting beef is sort of how i felt like like he knew that we were okay fighters and so we were both playing knights and we just sat there and we we fought but we played a straight game like we were very serious knights you know we were good and he was playing a cleric of this jester god, you know. And so he was very uh, – and, and it was just a one-off character for him. But he was just sort of out there playing, like, this jesterish character. And he just totally went along with it. And I don't know. I just, I just think it was a great game. We, we all had fun. I just have really fond memories of that game. But anyways, uh, best LM you've ever seen? So, I mean, I, I know, like, when I GM sometimes, I see lore masters out there. What about you guys? Oh, actually.
1: Actually, I wanna I wanna bring up an LM that I I totally missed, um, and this one's a little hard for me. I if I had to choose a best LM that I'm not speaking with right now, um, it would probably be Bill Cowern. Mm. Um, it, it's a little hard for me to tell whether it was just that he was a great GM or that our our team just worked fantastically well. But um, he was a great what? Uh, <laughs> but I'm not Mike Paxton. Um, <laughs> uh whether he was just a great lm or whether our team was just great um but that was i mean i felt like he sort of had us together he had us organized that kind of thing um if he has one fault as an lm it's that he's he tends to be too heroic and so he charges into battle you know to to save the day long before he's told the rest of his team what to do
0: <laughs> i remember this about this game yeah
1: yeah but uh but that was a that was a great experience for me to be on a team where you know, someone where neither of you two was,
0: was the LM. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what about I, outside? Oh, yeah, go ahead. You have swing Yeah. So,
2: I, I was a GM for a team of, I think, entirely novice players, people that had not played at all before. This was in, um, oh, what was your fairy tale game called? Um, Hype Dreams. Uh, no, the other one that ran that same weekend.
0: Oh, Fable First.
2: Fable First, yes. This is Fable First, ran two years ago, I think. And so it was a group of five people. Some of them had certainly done LARPing, some LARPing of other kinds before, but I think they were all pretty much novices at IFGS. And the lore master for that team, um, she she was pretty awesome. She was pretty quiet. She she did some leadership sort of things, but but she was clearly really solidly into the game. And she had this great moment at the end where... She went up to the evil queen, and she, she bowed to profess her, her obedience and her fealty, and she used that as a trap to get the queen to get close enough to save the day. and anyway It was just a really fantastically heroic moment from the lore master of the team, and I feel like that the whole team was, was really proud that they were on her team for that moment. Actually,
1: talking about Fable first, the, the first time Fable first, first ran, um, I got to watch my wife, L.M., um, oh, and, sure. I, and it was the first time she'd ever LM'd. Um, and Not it true. was she a. She LM'd in another LARP? In another <laughs> LARP, that's true, yes. <laughs> but, Sorry, it was the first time she'd ever LM'd in, in IFTS. Okay. And um, it was entirely a group of novices. None of them had played before. Um, and I, I have no idea how she actually did on course because I didn't really get to see her. Um, I know that she, she was certainly a little bit critical of her own um, effectiveness, but. You know she has a tendency to do that um but certainly ahead of games she was very involved in trying to make like what weapons do you have do you have enough weapons can we get you more weapons you know do we have holy waters do we have like sending out like the little rules snippets like here's your class like is there any questions you know you know can we get you out to a a um a practice you know so definitely all the stuff i saw ahead of time it was all of the things you expect out of an LM. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine my first time LMing being for all novices. That would be.
2: Yeah, totally. And even, especially, rough. and well, if you were a novice, LMing for all novices who you didn't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was yeah, impressive in many
0: ways. I saw Derek Eucler this summer LM a team for Lands of Light for Jonathan's game, and uh, he had mostly kids, young younger people on his team. And my, my wonderful wife Joel pointed it out to me when we were talking about the, this topic and trying to come up with. Uh, you know, good examples. And he did an amazing job with these kids. There's some video out there that I took of the f- final combat against the big bad guy. And, and he just did such a good job keeping them engaged and interested. And like they worked together as a team. It was just, it was sort of that same, like you were talking about Fable First when, when she went up and took that heart and, and gave it to the evil queen and pledged her loyalty, Jeff. It was sort of mm-hmm. like that type of experience, I felt like. But with kids that were probably, I don't know, teenagers, I don't, I don't know how old they were 13, yeah. or 14.
2: Yeah, it's cool to see people sort of step up and do that, especially when it's when you can tell that a large part of what they're doing is really trying to make sure that their players enjoy the game, right? Not necessarily win totally. or or anything like that, but just trying to make sure that the enjoyment is first and foremost.
1: Well, and I kind of felt that way about you the first time you um, you LM the, with the with the bolters. Like, I remember conversations with you ahead of time about you know what your goals were, and it really seemed like you know you were Definitely trying to get your character together and try to figure out who the heck he was. But yes, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you worked hard to make that first game great for the Bolzers. And...
2: Yeah, I definitely think of that actually in more, in more my rec- more recent playing. That's, I think, my primary role as a lore master is to make sure that everybody really has a good time. And partly that means things like trying to keep people engaged when they might drift a little just because people tend to drift when they're doing things like this. Or whether it means making sure that nobody gets sidelined in a combat or, you know, just any, anything like that. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a really, really valuable thing to have in a lore master.
0: So, so that leads me to my next question is what traits do you guys like name, name the top one or two traits that you guys find in a good lore master in, in teams that you guys have been on? What do you mm-hmm. really look for? Uh,
1: decisive, inclusive, and uh, comprehensive. Ooh.
2: Uh, Yeah, I definitely would go with decisive. And yeah, I think I've already indicated that inclusiveness is a big factor. Um, I'm going to ask Will what he means by the other thing in just a second, but I would would add um, they need to have a... I think it's fairly important that they have a decent knowledge of the rules and that they feel... Well, it's helpful to the whole team if the lore master feels pretty competent. like the lore master has some ability to handle things on their own a little bit should the need arise or things like that sure so what did you mean by your last one comprehensive comprehensive
1: i just one of the things that bugs me about um lore master i mean when i see a lore master go bad it's generally it feels like they haven't they just haven't put in the thought right they haven't considered what their team might need they haven't thought about like you know oh one of the people on my team is 14 do they know how to get there like are they do they have a ride um and and you know maybe that's putting too much on the alum's shoulders but it just feels like them having thought in advance about what is gonna be required to get the team through like to the game and through the game Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i i I like that kind of thought from the lore master totally you know, when, when they say, like, hey, does anyone here know any glyphs? <laughs> like, oh, none of us. Well, maybe we should do something about that, since the name of the game is the Rune Master. You know, that kind of stuff. See, and
0: mm-hmm. you guys both mentioned decisiveness, and it's weird. Like, decisiveness doesn't really come into play for a lore master for me. I really want someone who's good at communicating before the game, like, that, that stays in contact. I hate I cannot stand, like, lore masters or team members that just go silent. So you send them an email and you just don't hear back from them. Like, I just want something. Like, even if I'm too busy or whatnot, but, like, pre-game, I need a lore master that's going to communicate to make sure that we're all on the same page. Once a game starts, like, I don't really care about a lore master so much. Like, in, during a game, I don't... Like, once, once we game in, like, they can sort of just be another player on the team and we can just roll how it rolls. At least for me.
1: I think the trouble is... There are certainly some teams where it works that way, where you'd be like, I don't know who's the lore master on that team. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Um, but there are some teams where they are obviously looking to the lore master. And yes. there are even some games that are built around looking to, you know, the lore master has been given this quest and you are there to help the lore master, right? Um, and in those kinds of situations, I've certainly had lore masters who just couldn't decide, you know, like, crap, someone's. You know, we're losing someone in the bog, but if we send anyone else in there, you know, the prophecy says we're all going to die. Let's just stand here.
0: Yes. That's, a, that's a good point. In Price of Hope, I felt like this, this last summer, you know, the, 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 I forgot what it was called though, the white, the four white carport area, um, the puzzles in there. What the gallery. The, the gallery, thank you.
1: The Hall of Heroes. Hall of
0: Heroes, yes. Mm-hmm. I felt like there could have been some more decisiveness. Like teams, it was so hot the teams just sort of like, they couldn't, it wasn't really obvious what they were supposed to do at first. And so teams just sort of shut down. So okay. Sort
2: of wilted in there.
0: Yeah. I guess, I guess there are times that, that it would be nice for someone to basically be decisive and say, okay, this is the direction we're going, whether it's right or wrong, doesn't matter. This is the direction we're going.
2: Or actually, I think for me, it, it's partly about that, but it's all, I actually want them to be sort of decisive in their, in their character base. Meaning, that if, if the lore master has a clear idea of what their character wants and, and wants to do, it makes it so much easier for interesting role-playing to happen sort of pl- by playing off of that. Yeah,
1: so that, just, was, that was certainly the benefit of uh, Bill Cowherin, is that he, he knew exactly who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a Golden Lion and as an agent of The Lands of the Seven Tribes, he, he, he was very clear about his goals, his motivations, and his methods. And that, and that gave the rest of us so much to play off of.
2: Yeah. So, so, so decisiveness in terms of what your character is like and what they want can make it so that the people who you're leading quote unquote into the game have an opportunity to address that as well. Whereas if you're, if you're a relatively passive player, then as an LM, it's, it's going to be hard for people who want to be more engaged in the game to, to do so. Right there is the other side of that
1: though um chameleon for example is a great example where um the loremaster was one who he absolutely... i mean there was never any question in his mind about anything mm-hmm. um but there were times where as as loremaster i was incredibly frustrated by my inability to get my team to 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 do what i told them yeah. <laughs> um and and part of that was just because you know there was rampant chaos jumping our bones but um but like especially up on top of the hill we had a village to save there were unlimitedly regenerating undead and just trying to get the team and the npcs to all like do what i told them to do like i felt like i was going insane
2: well that feels fairly in character i would i would (laughs) would not be surprised for your character to to be frustrated by the vagaries of human uh, (laughs) whims Yes, in fact, if I'd been really in character, I would have just slaughtered
1: all of the NPC- all of the villagers we were trying to save, and dragged them out of the way.
2: That's right. I'll raise you later. <laughs> exactly.
0: So <laughs> I. Yeah last summer yeah last summer there was a game jeff that you were on uh, price of justice which you mentioned which was a high level game mm-hmm. and you guys had a pregame practice that i went down and helped out with i thought that pre-ga- pre-game practice was was very interesting i, I, I as a player I'm, I'm curious to know how you felt about that because on one hand i thought it was really really useful like you guys felt like you guys got to know your class a little bit better and maybe how you could handle an encounter but on the other hand it was sort of chaotic
2: yeah that was just, I mean I think that one was unique mostly in terms of the the people and the personalities involved and so I think that that was value, valuable to a small extent because of sort of general pregame practice sort of principles and to a really large extent for just figuring out how the five of us were going to get along
0: sure. <laughs> and, no, that's, <laughs> that's good good point yeah
2: yeah. So I think, I think that was actually a big part of it. And I do think it was valuable just because it was full of a lot of people who had played quite a bit, um, but not together. And some of them not in a while, and especially not in a, in a relatively hardcore mode, uh, which we sort of knew what was coming in this game. So the pressure of, of having a game that we were the only team for, which I, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of pressure there and, and, um, and, playing high levels and things like that. I think those things were helped by, by that pregame practice, even if it was chaotic and frankly pretty frustrating in a lot of ways. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is um, the watching it, it, it felt like it was almost better that you guys had the practice just because of the sort of, it gave you a realistic expectation of sort of what to expect on course, but maybe building you into a better team, maybe it didn't help with that too much, or or maybe it did, I don't know. It it just seemed like you guys got a sort of a wake-up call, like, this is what type of game we're going to be going into. And and that's what you guys really got out of it. I think that's right.
1: Getting hints from the GM? I mean, from the producer?
0: (laughs) I don't know if I give any hints off. Did I give any hints that you remember? No, I mean, I think we...
1: I remember when we wrote those practice scenarios, we tried very hard to make them sort of... Of the same kind of caliber, but nothing that would give any sort of hints as to what they would actually be seeing.
0: Sure, that's true. Yeah, right.
2: And it was, I mean, yeah. So the wake-up call aspect that we had, especially in the first couple encounters, was we needed those, t- and it w- and we and they would have happened in game, and it, so it was really good that they didn't have to happen at the game. Um, especially since the first fight in that in that game was similarly destructive. <laughs> um, to that to the particular there were there was one or two of those practice scenarios that i'm not sure you guys wrote but that was oh it was essentially unwinnable and so gave us the chance to sort of figure out what the what are we going to do and how is the team going to stay structured and um not explode if that if that happens
0: right yeah, Kobayashi Maru. yeah that's right <laughs> and and it's um I, I sort of also like the pregame practice, not just for the practice sake, but also just getting your team together to make sure you're all on the same page. Um, that's why I'm sort of in favor, especially teams that you don't normally play with. You know that the fact that you can get everyone together into, at a park and sort of talk about, okay, the game is on this date. We're the first team. We're expected to bring our money. We're sure. expected to have our weapons. I, I like pregame practices from a from a GM standpoint. I mean, a lore master mm-hmm. standpoint. I like it from for that for that reason.
2: Right. And I. Yeah, and, and, and in, in some of those ways, you may not actually have to ha- meet up at a field at a practice to make some of those things happen pretty well. So I think I would be, be in favor of a pregame meeting, if not a pregame practice, at the very least.
1: Yeah, I've certainly had teams before that I, I'm not sure I could have gotten them to a coffee, but I, if I say we're going to go out and fight things, they're like, okay, we'll be
2: there. <laughs> That's a good point. And oh, I need to revisit an answer from earlier. Oh, yeah, please. If if the question about what the what's the best class if that includes um, AAP, then the answer is actually lore master uh. <laughs> because then you get to be a knight and be a lore master so, right uh, exactly yeah. in uh, in seven zero it doesn't matter knight still beats anybody else that's a lore master but
0: um, yeah right the other tradition of of sort of lore mastering is uh, not a pregame practice but a pregame breakfast too. And I'm sort of torn on those. I'm not sure I like them as much as some people do. I'm I'm definitely big favor of that one.
2: Yeah, there's a sort of psyching up that happens and a shared mission sort of sense. Yeah, off sea wizard.
0: Weird. I'm I'm not sure what it is about it, but like every time it's like, are we gonna do a pregame breakfast? I'm like. Maybe it's just like, I have to get up that much earlier, or I, I don't know what it is. I'm just, I'm just like, really? Do we really need to do this?
1: Well, see, and I especially favor it if the GM's going to be there. Because mm-hmm. it feels like that is a big place where you start asking those questions like, oh, well, you know, can I do a, um, you know, a personal augury on Rune Masters? You know, it, it, I've certainly had those occasions where a lot of pregame lore, a lot of sort of, what have we been doing for the past two weeks? Um, has sort of come out, which has really helped sort of set the stage for the game.
0: Yeah. So we talked about sort of traits in general, but let's move on to talking about lore mastering during a game. So I think one that Jeff brought up that I really liked, or maybe it was you, Will, I don't remember, uh, Inclusion? Someone was talking about that where like people start to Yeah, I think drift. we both hit on that. Yeah, I... I... I think that's one of the most important things a lore master can do. It's just, even if it's not the lore master, it's just a point person to sort of, in, how do you include everyone? I mean, you're out on course at the Heil Ranch, you know, you're out there for eight hours, you know, you start to drift halfway through, you know, having someone that can sort of, you know, pull people back into what's going on and keep them in character. I think that's that's really important, whether it's the lore master or, or someone else that you assign.
1: Sort of the job the GM has in pen and paper role playing.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Or, like, not, you know, I mean, one, one of the things that I pretty consciously do as a lore master, or even in other situations, is despite the fact that I love puzzles, and that I would always, if, if given the choice, I would pretty much always be the one that runs any puzzle that I run across, I pretty consciously make sure that I say, well, why don't you take this one? Or, you know, if, if I'm being the lore master, or being that role of the, the person who's paying attention to inclusiveness, to say, okay, yeah, it's your turn to do this puzzle, or, nope, you know, I'm not going to be the one that tries to jump on the bright stones to make the golem leave us alone or, or whatever it is.
1: Do you ever find that you're in that position where, you know, someone hasn't been included as much and you're like, yeah, sure, I'd love to try your suggestion, which I am pretty sure is going to get us all killed?
2: <laughs> no, I, uh, no, I guess I haven't run into that situation yet. I, I mean, I don't think I've done it I don't think it's been life or death very often. It's been more about who, like you know, who's going to pick up the stone that allows one person to the, talk to the ghost. And wh- whereas I might be tempted to, to take that on and be the person who who stays involved in that way, I think I'm going to pass it off to the to the guy who's only played twice or something like that.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things I have to worry about when I lore master is. You mentioned the puzzle thing. Is is I do the same thing in physical challenges. Like I have a hard time when we come up to a physical challenge, like not saying like I'm going to go first because yes. that's that's my my right thing. Back. I'm like yeah, <laughs> you know th- I want to do this. You know you guys hold on. You know but that's one of the things, sort of abusive power of lore mastering. I, I sort of uh, I'm always afraid of that for me. Yeah I agree.
2: Yeah I, I feel the same way about the physical challenges too. That yeah you know, it's hard not to be the one. It, it's hard not to want to sort of squeeze every bit of enjoyment out of a game that you can get. Yeah. But um. But yeah, yeah, no, we're back to that that sort of core mission of the lore master of making sure that the people on your team really enjoy the game. I think that's probably the most they should be the enjoyment master. That's what their title should oh, be. Oh, that's
0: good. So, <laughs> what about other things in um? What about other things sort of in game like that uh? that lore masters that you've seen them do that you've been sort of impressed with or or other things that you've done that you're like oh that's a good lore master or bad things that maybe a lore master has done in game that you're like you know lore masters really shouldn't do that
2: mm-hmm.
1: do's and don'ts well, well actually that that's a good place for me to seg into um, uh, I promised a story about Tunnels of the Toads oh yeah um, so we actually so Michael Kelly was our lore master in that game um, playing Voryax, who is his Pralian priest. And we we basically set him up in an untenable situation. Um, at that time, the Prahlyan order was much less of a flat structure than it is now. <laughs> um, and there was a very specific hierarchy um, that, uh, you know, you could basically do things that gave you more rank. You could do things that gave you less rank, et cetera, et cetera. And... Of the four people from the Praelian Order that were on that team, um, our Lore Master was. So two. there were two. There were two people who outranked him. Okay. Yes, out of the go. four, um, and he—I he, mean—he basically felt paralyzed. Right. He couldn't tell us what to do. Because um,
2: he wasn't allowed to tell two of us what to do.
1: Exactly. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, he found it just impossible to, to sort of LM in game um because of that and uh right after that we changed the rules so that whenever you were on a team whoever the lore master was got sort of temporary rank that took them to the top but uh yeah i mean that was a that was a situation in which sort of the characters and stuff made it very very hard for him to do the best job he could do as a lore master
0: totally so um have you guys ever made a mistake as a lore master in a game you guys have any like any anything like in a game like oh, i can't believe i decided to have our team do x
1: i i have never made a mistake of any kind in an IFGS game
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay jeff
2: uh, i'm uh, that requires some thought hold just, just give me a minute no <laughs> um I, I certainly I mean the only one that, that immediately left to mind is actually not from IFGS and and I don't actually remember if I was the lore master or not. But there was a game called Prophecy, <laughs> <laughs> which you were lives lives in inf- in infamy in our, in our group of friends who played in a in a different system called um, GS, and we had come across a mental puzzle which um, I I'm sorry to say I don't remember the exact details, but it was a, some essentially some form of security system bank vault or you can't get into this because you're not the right person. And we, I, as the lore master was, we we played it uh, as a mental puzzle. That is, we played assuming that there were tricks or cleverness that would get you into this. When in fact it was, you know, it was the game equivalent of a combination lock, and there was no way to figure out the right code. You were just supposed to break it. Yes, I'm going to steal this bike,
1: and I'm <laughs> sure that his combination is, you know, some. You know, n- numerological equivalent of uh, his mother's maiden name.
2: Yes. So we spent hours. Three hours. Three, three hours trying to get through this puzzle through cleverness and delayed the game to the point where it, we, 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 we ruined the game, essentially, yeah. by by delaying at this point for so long. And it was just a, a, a moment, you know, where both between... The design and our understanding of the design it just it kind of went to hell on a handbasket. Uh, and, and let's be
1: clear a, a veteran producer also would have stepped in and given you
0: a way right. out long to like
1: three hours. Yeah, I remember but...
0: we talked about that you know we were sort of around a corner like wondering if we should give you guys a way out and, and it was like no just let them play through it you know and it was a hard call I think in the moment but. Sure.
2: And yeah. I don't so in terms of more recent element on my part I can't think of situations where we where I really felt like I've made mistakes. The the games that I've, I mean, I, I've been lucky that, I don't know, lucky. Uh, it's been it's been the case that I've LM'd for games that were largely aimed at novices or less experienced players, and so what that meant is that as a veteran player being their LM, I was mostly running across situations that I felt like I understood pretty well. Um, so whatever metagaming was taking place in my head made me feel pretty comfortable with, no, I think this is the right course or we can do this without risk or we can we can play around with that without it being a problem. So, so Chameleon actually is a, an example of a mistake I made as an LM and
0: that was... Taking two six-level mages? Because <laughs> Jeff and I, no. you both your six-level mages and that was a mistake, I think.
1: <laughs> I don't think that so was we're a mistake, get actually. That, that, that was fine. Um, no, it was actually, or, or at least so I'm told... The problem was that we didn't bring in any holy water. Oh, right. That we knew that it was going to be an undead-heavy game. I'm not actually sure how we knew that.
0: I'm pretty sure we were told that. I sort of remember that. um,
1: And that we didn't bring in any holy water to stop the unlimited regeneration. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's certainly a case that at the time I was like, really, that's the only way to do this? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that was just unpreparedness on my part, thinking... It was sort of overconfidence, right? I was pretty sure we could fight our way through anything, right? Um, and uh, you know, just not anything rocking, as Tom <laughs> Bolzer would say. Well, even even even
2: Dropsy, we managed to fight our way through, right? Yeah, that's true for a lot of it. Um, yeah, the, the the actual team explosion was not actually yeah was not centered around Dropsy or Holy Water,
0: frankly. No, although
1: yeah. there was kind of some explosion around the Holy Water. That was. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a brutal fight.
0: So yeah. I, I can't think of a place where you know that I may have made a mistake, though I'm sure there's there's plenty of those. Um, but I do remember, from a writing standpoint, I I just want to bring up the idea that we've written some encounters that I feel like have really challenged a team, whether they have a good lore master or not. I remember a uh, Price of Victory, the uh, the Moon Temple encounter. Sure it was this encounter where, you know, these players had to solve these puzzles while they were being constantly attacked. And it was a very long encounter. It was like 45 minutes or or longer of fighting. And the the teams with really good lore masters made quick decisions because you you couldn't really dilly-dally because you were being attacked and just kept it going and sort of kept a pulse on their team. If someone started getting mentally exhausted, they'd swap them out and have someone else work on puzzles. And the teams that didn't have that sort of you could see lose focus and it just started dragging the encounter out longer and longer and uh it was just it was just really entertaining to watch from a producer standpoint just to see how teams and how the leadership sort of steps up to that
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i suspect that i i have i suspect i think of myself as seeing more problems when i think about the writing and producing that i've done and less, about, less when I think about the lore mastering that I've done. Right. I think I think it's more obvious when you're the writer of a game that you made a mistake in designing this, whereas it ha- something has to go pretty drastically wrong for you to really be aware that you made a bad choice as an LM. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I think it's hard. I mean, those things are either really obvious um, or I think you just can't see them at all.
0: So I, I don't want to really name names, but there was a, a game, Price of Glory, that you mentioned, and, and there was one team, I think it was the final team of, of day two, um, was in a very, very last encounter. And they were a little bit younger and definitely didn't quite have the leadership that some of the other teams had. Do you, do you know what team I'm talking about, Will? Yes. It was hilarious to watch them just like... I mean, the the, the fight was pretty hard to begin with, and we had some yeah, good fighters I, there. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. want
1: to give anything away, but at least three of the team members on that team, if it's the right team I'm thinking of, their last, ni- their last name rhymes with Schmalexander. <laughs>
0: Yeah, def- uh-huh. definitely a place where I think a little bit more leadership from a lore master. Not that they didn't do a good job the rest of the game, it was a long day. And,
1: well, so, but that's an, that's another, that's actually a great thing to look at, right? The reason that they had trouble with with leadership in that encounter, right, was that they had some personalities that would not allow certain types of leadership, right? Mm-hmm. If your, if you're, you know, older, or younger sibling is on a team, right, that is going to significantly change what they let you, you know, tell them to do. You well, know, I, th-
0: the, I think the same thing goes with spouses or friends. Or, totally. You know, relationships matter a lot in this, or, or if you just don't know someone very well. So is there, have you ever seen or do you feel like an, a lore master can ever go too far with their leadership? I mean, is there a balance that you sort of need to, to do as a lore master, do you feel?
1: I'm sure fun-wise, you could very easily be too bossy. and.
0: Have you guys ever, ever seen that in the people. game, though? I mean, I don't want examples. I don't want to call anyone out. But have you seen it where a lore master has gone a little too far? i do not sure that I have.
1: No, I don't think so. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I, There's a game I, I sort of remember uh, watching a team go through, and I, I can't remember the game that, that it was. Um, and I sort of felt like the lore master dominated the like every encounter it was about the lore master and then three people that stood behind them Mm. and i I was a little disappointed i was just like really is this mountain of flame no did did i do that mountain of flame
1: (laughs) (laughs) well no you just you ended up being the only talking person on a team full of of truculent sourpusses
0: well and it sort of makes sense for some of the people that were on that team but others like you two like i was surprised that i I guess i did feel like maybe i took over a little too much i don't know
2: I don't remember what I did. I didn't, Was I not chatty? I'm usually a pretty chatty person. Definitely. Yeah, I think.
0: Well, in Mountains of Flame, there was definitely a, a, a cultural thing that we were playing this Japanese culture. So rank matters, yeah. you had to be very polite. So maybe that's why I did all the talking.
2: Well, and I think that, I mean, I think I was certainly happy to let you be the lore master and let you be the one who did, led the conversations and things like that. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, you know, despite the way we started the segment saying that their main job is is to uh, say the words lore master inspire at the right moment there is they do they do carry some role and you can't i mean if even though we may think that that's their entire role the idea that they are the team leader i think pervades pretty thoroughly especially especially for younger people or newer players i think they really think of like this person is the boss right and i need to listen to them and so and, and I think let that's t- when you
1: talk and find out
0: the information and
2: yeah exactly so, and, and let them be the one who's directing the action.
0: Do you guys like to be lore master? I mean, if you guys have the choice of being a lore master on a team, do you? is that something you guys prefer to do?
1: It's by character for me.
0: By character? Interesting. Okay. So some of your characters you feel like are leader-type characters and others aren't? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: And there I are think... some characters I have that are leader-type characters that still don't want to be in charge. Hmm.
2: That's an interesting distinction. And,
1: and there are some characters i have that are born leaders and really just want to slaughter all you mongrels anyway
0: (laughs) jeff yes what about you
1: especially because you killed my god anyway sorry gone
2: i didn't do it (laughs) um i yeah i for the most part i enjoy it i mean i think this actually is more this is true for me in in sort of most areas of my life that i i have i have sort of leader-ish tendencies and i think i do okay at it and so yeah, it's one of those things. Like I enjoy it, and I'm, I think I'm pretty good at it. And so, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I'm a control freak, so I think I always choose to be a lore master when. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the most part, if I if I can, I mean, it's also by like Will. It's sort of by character. I definitely have characters that I couldn't imagine ever lore mastering. You know, my new monk that I'm making, you know, doesn't speak most of the time, and he would be a horrible lore master. But you know, for the most part, if if I can, most of my characters have those qualities because it's sort of a shadow of me. But
2: yeah, yeah. and I I feel almost incapable of making characters that aren't that are that different from me like yeah. i i seem to be able to modify myself a little bit for my characters but i haven't gotten that far yet maybe that should back, be my, my next
1: exercise yeah no kidding
2: back in the old gs
1: days did, did color of the void ever lm i vaguely remember her lming a game and she's
2: not allowed to speak at all
0: <laughs> i'm not sure i'll have to look it up in the database because i have a okay. database and see
2: that's a character that a friend of ours played oh, nissa yeah. yeah yes nissa played
0: yeah so um, we were going to talk about team building, but we've run a little long. So I think what we might do is have Jeff back on in the future and talk a little bit more cool. about the strategy of making a good team and player versus character versus class and sort of the, just talk about how we form teams for games and stuff, if that sounds good to you guys.
1: So think about your five I'd questions hope- answers.
0: <laughs> okay. I, I will. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you Jeff very much great. for coming on. I think we had a great discussion and um, yeah, I appreciate you just uh, taking some time out of your evening to sort of talk to us about this.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. I've really enjoyed you guys' podcast, and I'm happy to contribute as much as I can. Well, thanks.
0: Yeah. Cool. And uh, if anyone else has any questions about lore mastering or uh, want to make any comments, please uh, don't hesitate to post on the Facebook page or send us an email. Uh, we can answer it in our one of our questions shows.
1: Well, as us say, as a note, we actually oh. do have mail today, but I think we're going to skip it this time because we are quite long and we'll answer it next time
0: sounds good so anyways uh, this is Mike and Will and Jeff uh, signing off once again thanks a lot
1: thank you